spidey senses tingling. Hello. He's the host who thinks your pull-down speed is garbage. He's slim. This is the Paper Keg Podcast. Happy Halloween, episode 176. Welcome to the show. Paper Keg Podcast. We talk about the comic books we're reading, and we'll do a special book club that we all read together. This episode, we're only doing the book club. Big episode. Yeej. Batman. The Long Halloween. And then we'll read your letters live to close out the show. Hopefully short letters. If they're long, if they're more than three paragraphs, I'm dumping them. We're dumping them all. Uh, Jonesy Loves Beer is a host on this show. We're going to introduce all the hosts, you know, so that you get to know the voices, even though Dale and Jonesy sound identical. <laughs> That yeah. chuckle was, uh, he's a writer. He is blatantly throwing health to the wind. He's drinking Monster Energies constantly. Uh, he's got a child. Idea. He's got a child. You know, he's, he's throwing caution to the wind. Who knows what this child is going to see his father do next. <laughs> he's going to see his Jones. Uncle Slim drink 40 Red Bulls in a row and then get off his high horse. This isn't about me. This is about you right now. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Jonesy. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, I am a writer. I wrote several tweets just today. Uh, and I. it's a pleasure to be here, as always. goes without saying. Any sub-tweets today that you wanted to talk about? Maybe elaborate on? Make you feel good no, about yourself? I, I didn't... I didn't uh, you know, you, you perceive that I have a sub-tweet problem, but it's only when... You know, people get all mouthy about things going on in the world. Or J-Bags. Or J-Bags, those people. <laughs> I just pictured Gen Z opening his Twitter app and just hating life. And he just takes that on somebody near him and it makes me sick. I'm like the uh, your planned teaser of Superman, uh, Man of Steel. Not on my watch, I say. Like Ben Affleck in the mirror. Final call host. Back. Nobody knows what that callback was about except for us. <laughs> I hope you all enjoyed it. <laughs> Final host, Dale underscore A. He is VP of merch. He's a podcast bad boy. Facebook phenom. I haven't logged into Facebook in a long time, but I just know... That Dale's lighting it up. You know it. You know, you know good Facebook posts. People are liking it up, oh, sharing. You know, it's like they're just talking about me. Probably right relatives, now. Relatives. Relatives. Oh, Dale. Oh, you. Let's been, hang out soon. You've improved my Facebook life. I can tell you that much, Dale underscore A. 
as they keep that tab open all day long at work. <laughs> Just living life to the fullest. What is your average like count? I mean, what what is, what is it? It's got to be know, 15, Facebook? 20 mm-hmm. right now. For I mean, Dale. is that good? I mean, be. is that a good count? For somebody is really... Is that good? <laughs> Jonesy, don't, don't, don't give in. All right. <laughs> My troll shields are holding. It's okay. <laughs> getting trolled about the poor something he doesn't even know i just rerouted troll shell troll <laughs> power from the port nacelle i'm good scotty has got my shield strong speakeasy.net slash troll speed test speaking of troll shields jonesy has you know he goes by a lot of <laughs> nicknames podcast journeyman is one of them but yeah. he has finally come out of podcast guest host retirement this week i saw that's correct. a retweet that you were on the turtle jump podcast talk, yeah, talk, the, take uh, us through that those gracious hosts uh from the ancillary uh family of podcasts they do a video game show called turtle jump and uh they asked me about god it feels like four years ago to do a final fantasy six episode uh and then we finally got our s together and put it together the episode and you know it's one of my favorite games of all time so I probably talked way more than they wanted me to, but I am having a, a blast. It was a great episode. Those guys are great. They kind of just let me run with it, and uh, so I'm very thankful to the Turtle Jump podcast. You guys should give it a listen. Hmm. Maybe I will. I will hold my breath. <laughs> my, my heavens. I mean, one podcast enough with Jonesy is... <laughs> yeah. it, it is enough. I'm, it's your fix. I can barely even speak. It's like drinking a monster energy drink of Jonesy. Low carb <laughs> Jonesy. Low carb, up. high fiber. Let's go. We were all together this this past weekend. Mm. All three of us Lovely just time. living life to the fullest at a wedding. The gift. Hashtag mm. RIP Mark. Yeah. Um, big congratulations for you know anybody who's been with us since the beginning or the first 101 episodes anyway uh, former host of the show Mark uh, betr- the he wedded his fiance this weekend he's now a happily he married wedded. man congratulations to the uh, Mark and Carolyn Farrington couple and, big uh, big wedding it was it was a, just a great weekend for us to be together it was great to see Mark we were all at the same table you know oh, so God. yeah god uh, who knows? You you could probably only imagine what was going on above and beneath. We were running that dance floor like the streets. You know, what else was buzzed? All of us at that wedding, right? I think I had 10 Long Islands that night. <laughs> yeah. I am never embodied. What happened to you? Long I saw Island. a tweet from your wife that uh, related to the fact that Jonesy was just throwing up constantly. <laughs> You know, I, I and I, what I don't understand is, you know, maybe it was because I mixed gin, too many and dance Long moves, Long Island iced teas, and, and I was there was dancing. I came home totally sober, sober as a judge, and then I, I went to sleep. Sense. I woke up at seven thirty as I'm as I do regularly, and it was a uh, you know I'm sure I woke Dale and uh, Mrs. Underscore A with my retching in the upstairs bathroom. I, I just don't know where it came from. And I was so sick, I had to stay home from a birthday party let, that day. Let me let me posit a theory. Don't mix you know, it was No, it was, I think, 1, or, 1 a.m. We went to this bar after the wedding, and someone suggested to the group, let's do a Tully Mordew. Oh, I and cannot Jonesy, confirm. Jonesy or at deny. first 
Jonesy at first, no. No, that's okay. I'm good. I was like, wow. In my head, I was like, wow, Jonesy. Wow. Did he? Because he's showing a lot of restraint right now. And then it took one more comment. It was like uh, that episode of The Simpsons where Skinner and Krabappel are talking about the parent-teacher union. And at the end of their thing, all they did was just grunt. And then people were like, oh, okay, yeah. And then Skinner <laughs> topped it with rubbing his fingers together. And they're like, well, okay, that's a good point, too. It literally took, I think, Dave to say, are you sure? Right. And then Jones is like, okay, yeah, yeah, you're, oh, you, you, you pull, twisted my arm. Let's do one. He's it like, was the fastest turnaround. He's like to Will Ferrell and Austin Powers. He's just like, just, just one more. Put me over the top. I've, just one more comment. I've never seen anything like it. So I, that my, that's my theory as to where the night went south for no. Jonesy. And that, that might have been. I still got home. And that was only the first fine. one that you, you, you witnessed. He may, there may have been another one in there. Oh, with, okay. Uh, I ordered actually a, a full tray of shots and did them. I walked away. Well, that doesn't surprise me. And then, one like bit. in the you know, the little waiting room. The um, I'll just, just never motion. forget the weekend ended with uh, my wife and I bidding adieu to the Joneses as Jonesy's dry heaving into his hoodie, <laughs> sitting in his armchair. Yeah, that I was did. the last image I have of Jonesy this weekend. <laughs> he basically I, said I, goodbye I, through through folded up fabric. <laughs> I uh, I have a power recliner, and they were there at the door, but I'm like, okay, all right. And, and instead of getting up to walk them out, yeah. I just <laughs> you drive. I, I mean, just I, put my chair up and just I almost gagged okay, and threw up on the front step because of what I what I. <laughs> it was it was a great great weekend. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we got we got to move on. We have to get into the book club. We want to yeah, try to we, keep we, it under an hour. Uh, hopefully, you know the show's been running long. We got a lot of rep- rot- a lot yeah. of complaints from me. Yes, the long Halloween, the Bex whole Gordo the whole says, series. Why do you guys not care? Who does? Sorry. Bex Gordo says that. What Bex is, Gordo. Is she, you she guys just, chatting uh, during the show? Was this a live just, stream? Uh, Google is Google messaging a thing she can do. She's oh Google plus me. <laughs> she said you guys are taking too long. I don't know what's happening. Let's get into <laughs> the book club. Jonesy is trying technology that freaks me out. Let's get into the long Halloween, please. Forge ahead. What can, what can I say about the long Halloween? I'm speaking. Jeez, all right. What can I say about the long Halloween that has it? <laughs> all right. That can't be said uh, by so many people much more educated and suave than I over the years. But it is a one of the classic uh, Jeff Loeb, Tim Sale collaborations. Uh, maybe the first that has spawned a massive cult following that is considered by many to be the bat cannon and is essentially one of the rare few volumes of Batman that someone can say, if you've never read Batman, read this and you will just get the character. You'll get the mythos in these issues. And the story is pretty straightforward. Uh, Harvey Dent, James Gordon and Batman um, team together for the first time in order to take down the uh, Falcone crime family. As you can imagine, this was heavily drawn on for the uh, Batman Begins and Dark Knight films. And what they have is a new serial killer that comes through that also is targeting the Falcone crime family named Holiday. And the long Halloween refers to the fact that a 
the first serial murder took place on Halloween and the 11 holidays that follow it. And I, I can't remember each individual one. One's, you know, one's, of course, Christmas, Valentine's Day, St. Patrick's Day. And the 12 issues, besides being a straightforward Jeff Loeb detective story, is also some of the best bat character development uh, I think ever put to page. Uh, we get full scope of Gordon. Uh, Harvey Dent is probably the starring character of the whole 12 issues. I mean, it's his book front to end. Uh, basically his transformation from uh, Paladin of Gotham City to Two-Face. Uh, this kind of, in this light, this misspent, this off-the-beaten-path criminal rather than the awful Two-Face we already know from our previous book, uh, Gotham Central. So, this is just one of those arcs that doesn't feel like 12 pages because it reads so well, or 12 issues because it, it reads so well. Uh, it's clocks in, I think, about 385, but it's some of the fastest, well-paced detective story uh, that essentially defines a character you didn't know needed redefining. The Long Halloween. What, what more praise can I heap on it than that? Where would you rate this uh, in your top five Batman stories, Gen Z? I mean, it's got to be two or three. Oh, wow. I mean, Hush being number one, I would think, in my life. Then Frank Miller's Year One. Then this. Then The Dark Knight Returns, I think, is probably my list. If I had to... I think that would it at four, I make it. if I did my math correctly. The, did you? Let's see. I what, what did I say first? I don't even know. Let's, let's just not go over it. it. Jonesy just failed. Name five without <laughs> being challenged. I'm not uh, contractually. I can never win name five. Slim is the only one that is allowed to win. Yeah, the your last line is a, a, a redefining book where you didn't know you need to be redefined, but it's got everything. It's got his rose gallery all make an appearance. And it's, I mean, you're right. It's a Harvey Dent book. Like you've never wanted to believe in Harvey Dent more, but each issue is just like, like, you know, the, uh, like the Wu-Tang album where, you know, he takes the wire hanger and he heats it up over the stove and it's just like every issue is just like niggling Harvey Dent and pushing him closer to the edge like and whether it's just um, like the full feature of the issue is is like dwells on that or it's just a couple pages from an issue that just features Harvey but you know the rest of the story you know where Harvey's not necessarily present is just going to affect Harvey in a negative way because he just wants so badly to not to do the right to be a paladin he doesn't want to be corrupt he just wants to see gotham come through and it doesn't and they're just working on him the entire year they're just working harvey dent until it pushes him over the edge but yeah i think it's crazy the probably the turning point um i believe is is it the end of issue one or issue two where uh, they have, for the first time, uh, the Falcone family on the ropes, and they just firebomb his house, and that that totally takes away Gilda, which is kind of like his home base, and, you know, when their first home was destroyed, 
and he kind of loses his wife's support. Like that is essentially the the beginning of the end for Harvey Dent. It's just, um, yeah, it you can't help but sympathize. Like he's been through hell. I mean, you're just a guy in the public works. You're a district attorney for the city of Gotham. You look up Harvey Dent in the phone book. There's his address. You're, I mean, he's done. In Gotham City, he doesn't stand a chance. They firebomb his house. I mean, luckily, his, nobody died, but it, it's it's powerful, powerful stuff. And you, and you just see the descent of Harvey's character. The um, Tim Sale art is like astonishingly oh, gorgeous in all of this book. Guy's amazing. I actually cannot remember. Like, I pretty much for, had forgotten all the details about this book when I started reading it. So I was like, oh, I just saw that they started. They made a noir version of this. It's all black and white. So I was like, right, mm-hmm. I'll download that and I'll read that. And it wasn't connecting for me on this read. So I stopped and I got the color version and I might shock you right now where I did not enjoy this read of the long Halloween for whatever reason. I don't know if it was because I soured it by reading a black and white version How? for half the book. Okay. So you read half the book in black and white and and then I went back to color, but even then it didn't recover fully for me. So I actually went back and paged through the color version and it's just really gorgeous the colors are very muted and very simplistic but they're a huge part of the artwork there are some panels that are absolutely stunning in black and white but the color really adds to it and i don't know what it was about this book where and i ages back we did atomic robo and it was the same scenario where i read I was about it to I, recall that i love atomic robo but for whatever reason on that read it just wasn't clicking for me and this read through of Long Halloween was not clicking for me at all. It, the I felt like it was overwritten a lot of the times where it was I believe in Gotham, I believe in Harvey Dent. Um, Falcone is laughing somewhere in Gotham City. It just felt overwrought a lot in a lot of places. And I know people are probably cleaning up their their poo from their <laughs> panties right now, but. That's and that's maybe, interesting. Maybe Jim Lynn will compose a tweet where he goes after you. That will be a nice change, Jim. And that it's that's so interesting because on my read through, this is my second read through, and I read this back when I was first getting in, back into comics in you know oh four oh three somewhere, and I got so much more out of it this time around, and I liked the. Like the overwritten part for me charmed me and put me into this noiry kind of setting, like it, yeah. like a hardline detective story, with like, you know, a, like a solo trumpet in the background you could hear while you're reading, and it's it's almost like a constant refresher, in the especially in the beginning of every issue, uh, where they remind you that Carmine is the Roman and he's got a family and and stuff like that. That's that's I, interesting that. We both had uh, different takeaways from this read. I, uh, I Before I lose a thought, I wanted to add uh, about Tim Sale's art. I love the way he makes uh, Batman's cape almost like a separate character uh, throughout these 12 issues. I mean, whether it's a splash page 
or you know, Batman's is supposed to be, supposed to be in the horizon, looking down at characters, or just that one scene where he's standing wrapped in his you know cloak uh, in front of the bat signal. Like anytime the cape is featured on the page, it's absolutely gorgeous. It's tenderly. Mm-hmm. It's you know, I'm I myself am not a fan of the long eared kind of. Oh God, it was amazing uh, in this book. Like that typically doesn't do it for me. I really like Jim Lee's like short cowled, uh, kind of muscular with gear all over him, Batman. But this ethereal, long eared, ghost like Batman, I thought was amazing. And for for to make me not like what I like mm-hmm. and like your stuff is just a testament to Tim Sales' skill. Yeah, there's there's I remember a standout panel where. It was a close-up on Batman's head, and maybe there was, like, a door in the background. It was a small panel on a page, but, like, up through the corner of a panel, like, inches away from Batman's head proper was one of the tendrils of the cape, and it just added that much more because you could see life beyond the panel that it was focused on. It was just really great touch to that panel, and the tendrily feel was was throughout that book and and like you I really like the Jim Lee kitted out prop you know clean Batman but this is just and with the colors the colors just it was just a, a made the book and it made Batman the um there was a couple I don't want to hit them all at once all my problems on this read through I oh. <laughs> Especially the the ending. I don't know when we want to get to that, but there was little pieces. The um, I had zero recollection of this book. Maybe it's the first time I read it since the trilogy came out, the Chris Nolan trilogy. But man, those movies pick uh, and choose tons from this story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the relationship between Gordon and Harvey and Batman is just so thick in the second movie. And I mean, even the repercussions of them working together and then Harvey coming out on the raw end of the stick is, I mean, that's the crux of the second Batman movie. But on second read through the, they gather together. Harvey is still kind of, I I guess in my head, I just didn't remember Harvey being kind of, you know, D ish. He was just, I feel like he was D ish early on in the book. And I know Dale, you kind of viewed that as like his, his transition into kind of almost being corrupted by the city, but it felt like he was more D-ish than I remember early on. Like he was just kind of like, how did this guy get DA? Like he's just kind of an arse. And, but the, the, the one thing that I noticed was they formed, like they formed this unspoken like plan. Like we know what has to be done to get Falcone (laughs) out of here. And they're like, yeah, we know it has to get done. Like what, what, what were they talking about? What was the assumed union that they were forming? Like it didn't, nothing they did really seemed outlandish and illegal. Much like the fatal fall and the dark Knight, I could never put my finger on what exactly, what was the joke I was supposed to be in on for these 12 issues. I never got it. I mean, it was plainly stated that there's a, you know, there's a riddle in this series that, speaks to the same thing you're speaking about but just like the dark Knight, like i don't i didn't get it maybe maybe i'm just dumb but i just didn't get it 
Like it didn't like their union on this read didn't feel like man they really put it all on the line to get Falconian. Was it worth it? I don't know, but it didn't feel that way because at one point they his house gets blown up by the Falcones, and I was like, oh well, maybe maybe they let that happen, and that was a plan to, for him to fake his death because just like in the movie, he did that in here. They they kind of faked his death so he could get dirt from the crooks in prison, but that wasn't it because Gilda was in the house. They're not going to put his family in danger and walk into an explosion of a house. So I just never, I never like grabbed like, okay, this is why they did this union. Like, they, you know, they had to murder somebody to get Falcone. Like that, that was like kind of what was inferred. In fact, even when they said it, they it made it sound like well, we have to plant evidence to get him into jail. That's the only way we can do this. And that was like the inference to me. Hmm. What did you? How did you view that? Uh, conversation that union down you know it's actually i'm i'm right now in like a panicked state because (laughs) it's just something i didn't think about so i completely i know like i know the conversation was had but i don't even i'm blanking on if i did know i'm just completely blanking on what and i i think i've spoken you know i think i've done this before where i watch or read something that i'm not you know, just pumped and primed and ready to do. And I pick apart things that I maybe would gloss over otherwise. And I think I, the first time I did this that I can recall was, um, Scott Snyder. Well, no, no, I I think I do that even when I want to read it. But the, like the seventh time I watched the dark Knight, uh, the dark Knight, like I picked apart the plot of that movie where it just made no sense to me that Gordon would fake his death just to get to that one point in the tunnel where they had the Joker. Like, that was the stupidest plan ever. And I think that's when I start to, like, pick apart things. It just didn't make sense. But the other... How about um, Barbara Gordon was Jim's niece? No, I, just... I, I don't I don't think that. I, I, but that was a strange throwaway line when it's, like, Babs. Yeah, my niece yeah, Babs yeah. is in town and going to watch our daughter. I was like, what is that But mean? his daughter is Barbara so it was, it was just son. everybody named Barbara. Oh no, yeah, his... James Gordon was the son. Yeah, little remember oh, he grows okay. up to be the psycho. Oh, that was a great detective run. But but I mean, overall, there was just a ton of like the beats across the story were there were amazing beats, and I kind of while reading, I was like, oh man, this stuff with all the villains getting thrown in is kind of overdone. But there was a logical reason for those villains to show up, like Scarecrow is in half a panel and it's kind of this fake scarecrow re- reveal but there was a reason why he was introduced there was a scene where bruce had to be under this fear serum to run from the cops you know poison ivy was barely in it but you know gets a cover but her character was used by the falcons and mm-hmm. the joker one was the one i had kind of a problem with i just thought thought it was crazy that a serial killer would kill twice over two months and Joker would be so freaked out that the serial killer is in town that he wants to get to the bottom of it. That was like, well, would he really do that? Like, would he really start, you know, uh, interrogating people to find out who a holiday killer is after two months of two murders? <laughs> that yeah, reminds I, me of uh, Mask of a Phantasm. Like that whole two issues. Oh, yeah, with Joker. Mm-hmm. He kind of hitting, you know, using Batman's shtick to go find out who's who. I just I just liked the now maybe it was early on but really Joker at Christmas time was probably the best 
setting. Oh, it was gorgeous. Um, but you know, maybe two murders is is not enough, you know, to go off on Joker's radar. But I just like how it was driving him so crazy that, you know, there can't be somebody like people can't be frightened of this guy because they're supposed to be frightened of me. So mm-hmm. he wants to get he wants to get to the bottom of this so he can take care of business and get Holiday out of the picture so people can get back to being, you know, focusing on Joker and his psychoness. Right. How about, there was one, the panel where Joker waits for Dent in his home. Uh, The way that he drew Joker as this tall, lanky, skinny-limbed guy just creeped me out. The way he drew Joker in that scene was absolute perfection. It just makes everything else look like junk, in my view. Because he makes him look creepy. Like, his body is scary. He's almost like, you know... um, the character from Nightmare Before Christmas was that Jack Skellington. That's how, that's mm-hmm. what he looked like. His body shape. I want to talk real quick, and I don't want you know. I'm not trying to usher the show along, but I really need someone to explain to me at what point does Gilda take over as Holiday? Spoilers, guys. Uh, at the end of the run, uh, you know the younger the younger non criminal you know, Falcone's son uh, admits that he was trying to prove himself to his father, was kind of taking out the uh, inner uh, bad guys, or the inner, I guess, the inner agents against Carmine that were within the family. And at some point it's revealed in the coda of this story that Gilda Dent has committed at least some, if not, you know, most of these crimes. And did you got were you guys able to decipher which were uh, the son and which one were Gilda, or are we led to believe that it was her the whole time? I no, I I was led to believe that Gilda kicked everything off, killed uh, the nephew on Halloween, and then stopped on Christmas. So and he then, did then, Halloween thanks she did Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas. And then when Alberto faked his death, she thought that Harvey took over. Oh, okay. All right. I see what you're saying. So she's okay, let me see if I can place this together. It's conf- yeah. She yeah. is driven mad by the fire bombing. So she decides she's gonna take matters into her own hands and becomes holiday. At some point she feels her work is done. The nephew latches on to the idea and becomes Holiday 2, while Gilda thinks that it's Dent who's doing it. Harvey is doing it. Right. But she, it's really Alberto. So, you know, so, so hypothetically, she didn't have anything planned on New Year's Eve, but Alberto dies. Dent comes home with wet hair. She th- oh, okay. She thinks Dent's, like oh. she, so she thinks Dent took over from that point on and, you know, was thankful that you know she's just going to let him do his thing and uh you know not implicate her or whatever and i think dent was never dent was never the killer that was alberto from that point on yeah i think there was a big red herring where we're we're me- we're meant to think that dent is holiday because batman essentially remember he does that thing where he like plays out in his mind who it could be 
and Dent is one of them. So we're kind of made to think he could be Holiday. Yeah, and it's like issue two where Gilda's like talking down to Dent in his basement, and he's got the gun and the vice and stuff. And but it's never talked about since then. And you, oh, yeah. you're, why why did he have the gun in the vice? Well, he tells Gilda that it's evidence, and he was examining it. And she comes right back with, but you've never done that before. Hmm. So, like, at that, that point, I'm like, well, he, could he be this time? And, I mean, mm-hmm. it was There a was lot some of really cool stuff. Yeah, there was, a, there was on, 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 you know, knowing the, the, the majority of the story, you can see a lot of them kind of just in your face. But there was a really cool moment where Gordon, you know, talks to Batman after he alludes to Dent possibly being the murderer. And Batman... Gordon like tells him, like, are you sure? Like, are you hundred percent Batman almost like doesn't answer. He just like looks away because of the implications of what he's saying. But I don't know why I just totally forgot the, the ending to this book. And I'm pretty sure we talked about this on another podcast along Halloween, maybe the comics podcast. And I probably loved the ending. I don't know. But now reading it again, I just thought it was so, um, ill planned to just have Gilda, at the end of the book, just talking to herself, burning the evidence. Like, I, I guess I, you know, I'm reading a comic book about a man dressed as a bat, etc. But <laughs> yeah, well, why I, would she know, be just talking to? Her? Maybe she's just a psychotic at that point, and she's talking to herself, burning the evidence, and that's how crazy she is. I, I think yeah. Jeff Loeb. What he, I mean, this is. I mean, it's just a surprise now on Jeff Loeb's formula story. I mean, he doesn't exactly do the same thing in Hush. But, you know, he takes a lot of cues from his own work when he plotted out Hush. And if you were to compare Gilda to Catwoman and Hush, he does it a lot better in the uh, the later series. I mean, there's that one moment where the whole, everything's resolved, and then Catwoman goes to kiss Bruce, and she says, he's talking, and she says, you know, puts his hand to his lips and says, Hush, and he's like, why would you say that? Uh, and it, in my mind, it was kind of like, did he learn from this because the expository scene was useless you could have just shown no dialogue had gilda go downstairs open a trunk and throw the hat and the gun in there yeah so i think he i don't know if he learned from it but when he when he repeats it many years later i think it's much more slick yeah that, uh, that that comes back to my comment about there being kind of almost too much dialogue or too much writing and yeah, that that scene would have been amazing with no text just her just burning evidence maybe and like a taking off the trench coat and just putting it in there and the right. and all that stuff i could see i mean i could see that and i could never guess in a million years what he was thinking but it's such a tricky medium for miss and so e- everything's so easy for misinterpretation but you know i guess another writer would want it to be so up in the air, like the interpretation and anybody could take away what they wanted from it. But I could see how it could work and it could not work if, you know, showing Gilda just burning evidence. I guess it was his way of explaining like when, where Gilda started and stopped and through inner monologue or talking to herself, I could, I could fully believe that she's put over the edge I mean, she's still waiting for Harvey to come home. I still, I, reading it, I was just totally confused and I couldn't understand the timeline. And, and that was even going back and reading the first half again. I just couldn't pinpoint, 
you know, she started when and why, and then who was the one who shot around Riddler? Do we know that? Oh, I mean, that had to no. have been a skilled marksman for <laughs> shooting around the outline of his body. Was well, Gilda? It could have been. It could have been Alberto, and it couldn't have been Gilda because they were both non. I mean, Alberto was pretty much described in the first uh, issue as kind of a pushover. He's like the smart bookworm son. He's not a mm. a gangster. I, I, I mean, I I guess that's just com- I would I just assumed it was Alberto, and that was part of his April Fool's joke. Like Riddler figured it out, or somebody mm-hmm. that that was the time to not kill anybody because it's an April Fool's thing. I liked the um, interaction with Catwoman. Because it, you know, I don't know when the the humanization or decriminal criminalization of Catwoman really started in the modern uh, mm-hmm. Batman books. Um, but there was the one scene where I kind of felt like it went off the rails was when she showed up at the end with all the Rogues Gallery, like she showed up with Joker and Two Face, like ready to just do whatever to Falcone, and you find out their her relationship with him later, but it felt like it did a disservice to Catwoman to just show up with all these freaks. Like she seems like a regular person when she's not in costume and just kind of a, she seems, she seems a little more above board than to hang out with. Yeah. These psychopath killers. Yeah. Like how does she get into that crew and just, and, and waiting for the Falcone family's Joker call her up and, you know, invites her and she just has a conversation with these creeps. It just (laughs) felt like, I felt like, yeah, like you said, Catwoman's better than that. Like, I wouldn't expect her to to lollygag around with them. Especially in this book. I mean, she she's, you know, she's a little racy and she steals things from bad people. But the playfulness between Batman and her, she's kind of like a Robin Hoody kind of character, it seems like. And she's not, yeah, she's not bad. And, you know, she obviously, I think there's that comfortable... Comf- comfortability factor that they kind of like lead on that they kind of know who each other are at times Mm -hmm. and for her to just I mean it looks good when Tim Sale draws it all out I suppose but she's not really in the same league she doesn't belong with Joker and and all those creeps I wonder how far after this they told the story of Selena's relationship with that family because they drop you know very vague nuggets of possibilities and it had to have been years after this because I think the they did it the Catwoman in Rome story. Yeah, when in Rome, I want to say that it was like the late nineties or early double aughts they came out. I remember but that being a thing in the in my local comic shop at the time. That it must it was be the lauded as it must be the sequel. early two thousands. It's got to be. But it, I don't know that kind of storytelling. I feel like doesn't happen a whole lot where they drop maybe three vague comments and then they they pay it off a year later in a story or something i don't think you can pull that off anymore it felt like such uh like a slow build where i can't imagine being a monthly reader and be like you know what was that all about oh two years later here's the story yeah you totally forgot by that point maybe we should put that on the doc Catwoman when in rome maybe what was the uh slim hates what was the conversation So what was the conversation it. about Hulk Gray versus Long Halloween? Oh God, why are we that was brought up, up on Twitter today? What, that you know, almost destroyed the, day, the both of you. Back in the day, before the drinking ban was announced, we did Hulk Gray, and I, I, I did not care for it. 
And then Dale it would perfectly opinion, you know, he can do whatever he wants. You know, this is me in hindsight, not uh, inebriated. Uh, said that uh, Hulk Gray was a much better book than Long Halloween. And I disagreed for no other reason just to be, you know, angry and vitriolic. And, uh, you know, I think I've formally apologized several times since that episode, but let me once again again say that uh, I respect your opinion, Dale, and, <laughs> and I do like Hulk Gray, and you can feel however you want to feel. Yeah, I think I, I honestly don't remember anything from that episode other than me stating that fact, and and Jonesy, I, I, Jonesy might even be beating himself up more than is required. I don't think, I didn't think it was that bad out, that drag out, but I think now... The problem now is when we read Hawk Gray, I was a few years removed from reading Long Halloween for the first time, and back then it was very confusing for me. This, the second read of, reread of the Long Halloween, cleared a lot more things up for me. I was able to follow the crime family members better this time around. So I have a higher opinion of Long Halloween now, but now I'm so far removed from Hawk Gray that I don't remember Hawk Gray. So. But I think, you know, breaking down for what Hulk Gray does for the Hulk character, whereas you can say, well, name another Hulk story that you could give a crap about. You really can't. Whereas Long Halloween is like one of, you know, like top five or top ten Batman stories you have to read. Now, that's maybe just me and my knowledge of Hulk, but it does more for, like, on a gauge... Hulk Gray does so much more for Hulk than Long Halloween does for to define Batman. Hmm. Maybe that's what I was thinking at the time. I agree. But I absolutely agree with you on that point. But I do remember just being absolutely confused with the Hulk Long Halloween the first time I read it. You know the, what I loved uh, about this, which they, uh, also doesn't happen much in comics anymore, is the first page is a splash page to kind of, mm. you know, you're in the comic shop and you turn to the first page and it's just gorgeous splash page with a character saying something. You're like, okay, yeah, I want to I buy this. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen anymore. I think yeah, John Byrne the did last it time, a lot. I don't want to make another Hush comparison, but that first episode, <laughs> that first issue where Batman's on the roof and it's at that double-wide splash page and you see Catwoman, like, running with a briefcase, briefcase in the background. I mean, gotcha. Mm. Let's do Hush about, again, guys. No. Can we do Hush again? Oh my God. How great was um, Alfred, too, in this story? Alfred defending Bruce, you know, when he's out and about, and then Alfred on the stand where he defends him against the city and the corrupt officials. I thought that was amazing writing. Man, when, when Dent wanted to go after Bruce and James, Harvey, and Alfred are, like, on the patio with the Wayne Manor, and like uh, Harvey, just you know, he said some some douchey stuff to Alfred. And Alfred just looks at Gordon. He's like, "Really? Are you serious, Jim? Is, is you bringing this to my home, <laughs> Jim?" It was a great moment, Jimbo. Long Halloween. There you have it. Happy what Halloween, was dark, folks. What was Dark Victory about? I don't remember. Uh, it's. I know Robin was in it. That's about all I can do for you. Oh gosh! Yeah, I think I I think I own it. I don't know if I ever actually finished reading it though. We should put it on the dock at some point, I guess. I'll probably hate it. Yeah, any Batman Hulk book, Gray, Hulk any Gray Batman book we love, but we really Dark just Victory. we will rip it apart. We got your letters 
I'm gonna open them up. Farrington's gonna read them to you. Letters at paperkeg.com. Uh, you know, remember a few episodes ago we played the Forgotten Sounders? I do. We didn't get any good feedback about those, nor bad feedback. Yeah, you know, I, I was think, surprised. I think they're just so timeless that, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I think people just were disgusted with them. Yeah, just, I mean, how many, so. what, what did your unsubscribe app tell you? How many people did we lose after that episode? Uh, Dale and I discussed that privately. And, you know, as as a public policy, we don't reveal numbers. When, when you guys have your team building exercises and your uh, retreats that I'm not invited to? Yes. Summits, conference calls, confabs. Our first letter uh, comes to us from new friend of the show. Uh, at bruiser underscore dog, bruiser spelled like uh, you would brew a beer. Uh, and he writes, gentlemen, first and foremost, I would like to say I'm a huge fan of the show. I really appreciate and admire your commitment to generating such a great podcast on such a consistent schedule. I enjoy the banter between all the hosts, but more than that, I love how all of you have such a quick wit and total recall of all things pop culture ready at your beck and call. Let me start with y'all save my life. Maybe a bit overdramatic, but whatever. Last week, I had a Twitter conversation with Jonesy and Dale, and I was going to be in Philly for a few hours and wanted to know what to check out. I flew into Philadelphia to then drive my sister's car back to Charlotte, North Carolina. My trip took me through Wilmington, Delaware, and the incomparable comic book shop. Thank you for the great suggestion. Really like the store, especially the PK Book Club rack. Now on to the life-saving. Facing the nine-hour drive home, I had checked out the audio version of In Cold Blood based on the book jug review from my local library. Two and a half discs in, it became painfully obvious that the quality of the CDs were not going to allow me to finish the book. Uh, That sucks, because that's a great book. So to finish out the remaining six-plus hours, I piled through podcast after podcast of paper keg like Tony Montana with a huge bowl of cocaine. So thank you guys for keeping me sane and awake upon my journey home. Uh, crazy side note, while I was in Virginia, about to cross into North Carolina, I had a huge black bear on across the highway in front of my car. Wow. Keep up the good work. If I am ever in Delaware again, I will definitely hit up the comic book shop and hopefully run into one of you guys. Uh, Joe Crouch at Bruiser underscore dog on the Twitters. That's fantastic. For Thanks for reaching out to us, Joseph am, uh, uh, Crouch. Please DM me what highway that was so I can never drive that way. <laughs> it's, e- it's, it's either that or a fish town in Philadelphia. Either way, good Gosh. toast. James, you might no, just so if that. we drove there, you would just get out of the truck and lay on that cold asphalt while that bear just did dirty things to you, Dale? Boy, look at Jonesy trying to turn so that fearless. around. Turn it right around. Turn. He's using his troll faces. <laughs> Hulk I'm, I'm, to Hulk, I'm Hulk graying you right I'm now. I'm having Hulk Gary, gray fresh. I'm not even going to call it trolling anymore. Just Hulk graying. <laughs> I love our paper keg spinner rack at the comic book shop in Delaware. Our show sponsor. Yeah, those guys are fantastic guys. to us, and uh, you know we get <clears throat> the spinner rack. They put out little, they put little stickers on the books of one episode we featured the book. They're they're great guys over there. Mm-hmm. I'm ashamed. Uh, it stinks that I missed him. I was there like two hours before he was there, and we were passing ships in the night. <laughs> uh, next up is, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, host of the uh, Turtle Jump podcast oh. featuring Jonesy Loves Beer. Is a friend of the show, Paul Shirley. Subject: The Long Halloween. So for Christmas this year, my wife asked for her own copy of Batman: The Long Halloween. 
This is in lieu of two copies that I already own. One old trade paperback and one very sexy absolute edition. My wife is not a comic reader per se. She occasionally reads the titles I convince her to give a shot. She enjoys them, but rarely goes back to the pot for more. The exception? Batman The Long Halloween. When my wife and I started dating, I tried to convince her that comics could be for anyone. She never believed me until she read this book. No other superhero story that I can name manages to be so strictly comic booky and yet so easily approachable. It manages to present us with basically the entire Batman Rogues Gallery while simultaneously crafting a beautiful, grounded, and haunting noir mystery set in Gotham. Wow, what a book. Have fun, gents. This one just gets better with age. Thank you, Paul. I I agree with that sentiment. I had a, a great time re- rereading this for the second time, and I would uh, eye up an absolute edition in no time. We're gonna have to clip that out in case your mortgage company is listening. <laughs> yeah, or my wife, or you know anybody. <laughs> Our next guy. If you want to uh, troll me, halt gray me in front of. I'm gonna I'm gonna gray you so hard. Next time we're in Bank of America together and you start talking about it, just... (laughs) My mortgage is also through Bank of America. It's like uh, that that time we were in Baltimore and Jonesy was hamming it up with those uh, those, uh, attendants outside. Remember, he was trying to talk S about Uber outside? Dale can handle himself. He doesn't need you to step in and troll me on his behalf. He's got it. (laughs) All right? He doesn't need you to come charging as his white knight of trolldom. All right? Just back it down. Uh, next letter, the secret infinite gauntlet of the age of apocalyptic armored civil secret invasion. Uh, lads, yep, it's me, Matt, over in the G-side sector of the PA Commonwealth. Uh, been far too long since I have, as uh, Drama Rama sang, written with opinion, I used to be sharper than a saber, I don't feel like Errol Flynn. I hope that I'm <laughs> saying that the way you want to be too. Uh, now, upon the event of the last few podcasts, which have been crackling, I might add, along with the inaugural love letter to our universal creator, Tom Cruise, great idea, that one, just wanted to chime in to offer you adulation and respect and add with prideful integrity that it's Jonesy what keeps the paper keg empire from collapsing into a moral, or I'm sorry, a morass of civil decay and debauchery. I don't know about that one, but I appreciate it. In other words, your podcasting empire is the stuff of legend. Keep up the good work. Your pal in comics, Matt. Uh, P.S., Really thinking about changing the sound bumpers? Not sure how I feel about that. Still, it doesn't matter. You could use screech weasels, and listeners like me will still keep on coming back. <laughs> PPS, the screech God Loves Man Kills Book Club. I thought uh, I bought that one on the shelf of my comic shop when it came out. Maybe it's worth looking into the old run of Marvel fanfare, the 60-issue super fancy out-of-continuity print on glossy Hudson paper series that was always a refreshing treat. PPPS... If you do bring back a news, sex, uh, news segment, I'll read it. I can do that low-growl, sexy, ready-for-action disco voice. P, 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 S. Sorry about that last bit. I crossed the line. <laughs> <laughs> Gorilla Scribes emails just get wilder and wilder. Oh, yeah. You know he's having uh, whiskey with a plastic cup right now in his basement. Because he knows how to live. He doesn't need... <laughs> glassware to, to determine whether he's going to have a good night or not. If he's got, mm-hmm. you know, if, if he had like a paper or a pla- one of those plastic picnic bowls 
that's all he had yeah. in the basement, but yeah. he didn't want to go upstairs and wake up his family by uh, you know trying to grab a glass in the dark. Sure. Maybe he'd use that. Doesn't Scott Young's wife drink whiskey out of a plastic cup? Didn't I see that on a tweet? I, she, you yeah. know, there you have it. Exactly. She He took a picture of the plastic cups used. Yeah. I'm going to start doing that. Take we'll a picture of every plastic He didn't even tweet it to Dale. Cup. He just texted him because they have each other's numbers now. Gen Z is on the attack. Gen Z. Gen Z. There wasn't even a need for Gen Z to go on the attack. I wouldn't even go on the attack there. That's, Listen, you know, it's it's just Dale time to, doesn't to just doesn't have fun. feel he needs your help. Okay, he doesn't feel that he needs you to come in. I, I you don't know, know, what, you know what Jonesy is. Let's just come out and say it. Jonesy is a bully. Jonesy, we need to rid the world oh, of bullying. And I you disagree. Need to, you need to look in the mirror and realize it's time to rid the world of bullying. I mean, if if we were standing out in front of that Baltimore hotel while Jonesy was trying to throw us under the bus to the valet people, if he could have took our heads and slammed it into Audience, the valet do you, podium, do you see what's happening now, have. guys? Guys, do you see totally what's happening right now? To- and Jen, classic and then, reversal, and then classic reversal, and then kick us while we we're down and said, "Why don't you Uber that or something?" He would say, <laughs> "Uber." And then Go back to away. the tape. Say and this then they is would the classic two on one gang up. And then, then Jonesy would say, hit my music, and then the music would start blaring yeah. into loudspeakers, and he would just prance around. Then he'd be BF with his backpack on. He'd be nodding to the valet people. Why don't yeah. you call me a cab, he'd say to me. <laughs> Why don't we get one of those cabs over here and take me over to where I need to go? Classic bully maneuver. Textbook bullying. <laughs> Do we have any more letters? I, I mean, I we do. I could read it, but who knows what I, kind of I, fire First of gets all, started. I just want to, on, on behalf of the show, I would I would like to apologize for Jonesy's <clears throat> comments to you, Dale. Thank you. I, I mean, it's, I can't. Yeah. <sighs> Salutations. Uh, this is oh, this is from uh, unofficial, almost to be official show intern Matt H H. Hmm. Salutations. Glad you enjoyed the intern report report for God Loves Man Kills. I would, of course, make myself available if you ever needed a spare host, e.g. if Dale had an elliptical mishap, Jonesy was passed out, or, you know, stuck somewhere because he couldn't use a cab, or Slim was busy (laughs) rocketing to celebrity on TechSmoke. I listened to the first 12 episodes of Paper Keg this week, and you guys were kilting it. Here he has uh, this week's Long Halloween Intern Report, published in 1996 and 97. It spawned out of three Batman Legends of the Dark Knight Halloween specials that Loeb and Sale previously did. There were two sequel series, Batman Dark Victory and Catwoman When in Rome. The late Archie Goodwin pulled Loeb and Sale in by offering them the chance to play in Miller's Year One toy box, particularly focusing on gangsters and Harvey Dent. Which, to add, uh, Mark Wade gave um, Jeff Loeb the idea to focus on Harvey Dent. That was in the back of the trade I just read. It was noted as an influence on Nolan's Batman's movies, which is uh, very obvious. Loeb and Sale first teamed for Challengers of the Unknown in 1991 and later went on to do Superman for All Seasons, Daredevil Yellow, Spider-Man Blue, Hulk Gray, Captain America White. Which is a, a fable, I think, isn't that? That was never finished. Was that finished? I, I, remember, I have a zero issue of it, like a preview issue, but I don't know if it was ever really released. I have no idea. I completely forgot how lame Catwoman's old suit was compared to the Brubaker Cook redesign introduced four years later. A really beautiful book. Until next time, at Matt ADH on the Twitter. 
Thanks, Matt. Appreciate that. As uh, goofy as uh, Catwoman's suit was, I liked the, what Sale did with it. Hmm. Um, he can it, work magic. It looked, yeah, yeah, it did. It looked kind of foppish, kind of baggy, but it worked. I mean, those boots... It worked for me. I'll tell you what, Selena. <laughs> we might have been at. We might be out of the letter sounder right now. If I can be blunt, yeah. we have two minutes, Jonesy. If you would care to, <laughs> what, one last uh, letter. All right. Uh, Try not to throw us under any sort of. I'm just gonna wrath. quietly uh, read my uh, letter here, guys. I I don't want to uh, instigate any more okay. backlash. Okay. I polite, I you know, I respectfully just like to read for a second here. Uh, Kegmasters, as a longtime listener, occasional letter writer, and constant troll, I recently realized I have no clue what Dale Underscore's day job is. The constant humble bragging disclaimers leave no. No doubt, double. No doubt about Slim. And even though it is constantly edited out, enough people know at Jones and Glow's Beer Works at Redacted. <laughs> I'm assuming that Sir Underscore A has parlayed his boyish good looks and silver mane into a lucrative career as a male model. The topic naturally wouldn't come up often because he's actually modest and other hosts will be rightfully jealous. And that's at Jim Lynn for Pope. Thanks for the letter, Jim. Thanks to. Uh, Try to uh, direct the question back my way to volley. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I'm a I'm systems engineer, Wilmington, Delaware. Spoilers. I mean, this is huge. Never been talked about in the show before. It's never, you know. That's it. Wilmington, Delaware, the hot spot, home of the comic book shop. What's the uh, district? What's the number district? I want to say like the fighting fifth, Wilmington. Does it have a number? Can we get the intern on that? I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> Matt HH, if you're familiar with Wilmington at all, or want to Wikipedia that. The typing so comes up on my microphone. I can't type. Delaware. Delaware's so small, it's just, Del- you know, every, there's no district. It's just Delaware, and it's home of tax-free shopping. No state tax God. on anything you buy in Delaware. What a world to live in right now, tax-free. I'm telling you. That's where Jen's to get that 12-inch iPhone. I think maybe Delaware tax free. Mm-hmm. You know, they tell you go buy an automobile in Delaware. It's a place to do it. Is that what they tell you? They tell you they, you know, whoever they are. That's what they tell me. They text it to me. I'm a huge phone. <laughs> <laughs> what a show. What a show coming up next week, first of all. Mm-hmm. Gosh. Help can we us just, and save us. Can we put it out there? It's going to be a day late. Yeah, absolutely. A couple days late, depending on when you watch or listen. It's gonna. It's probably gonna drop around two a.m. Mm-hmm. Tuesday morning, early. Yeah. We're gonna do the uh, YouTube on Monday night, not this coming Monday. I don't have the, the calendar in front of me, unfortunately. The book is Three Shadows, as recommended by a dear friend of ours. He uh, says it will make us cry. So we'll see everybody next week. Get your tissues ready. November 10th, we record that. Goodbye.
So did either of you guys catch the Age of Ultron teaser that came out early this week? The Age of uh, what? I'm sorry, Jonesy, you blinked out. You. Oh, sorry. The Age of Ultron teaser that was a uh, that hit earlier this week. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. I think. Dale, did you not see? I don't want to jump in <coughs> if you haven't seen it yet. No, I saw the. You know, I saw the one that leaked, and then I saw the one where the Avengers are sitting around a table. Oh, yeah, trying to lift... I'm I'm totally... I'm going to try to to not watch any more, but I am so completely excited. I'll tell you, that that Joss Whedon knows how to cut a trailer. I'll tell you. Yeah. And that uh, that No Strings Pinocchio song? Chilling. My God. I was surprised that they released a a two-and-a-half-minute trailer already. Figured that Uh, would Yeah. Rumor is... Rumor is no audio work done to James Spader's voice on that soundtrack. That's all him. <laughs> That's not a rumor. That's confirmed. I mean, spoilers he just brought his freaky voice into the studio and they just recorded it. If you guys, if you guys don't want to uh, know anything about the teaser trailer out, then I would just stop listening here. But when uh, Captain America made it move. <laughs> Oh yeah! It was Did it the, make it move for you? It was the greatest thing ever. Like the concern on Thor's voice or in, in his face, but it was just like how ba was it? How va? Mm, I mean, that was pretty just great. the little wiggle. Oh man, I got chills. That that was that was pretty awesome. I like that Rhodey is also kind of unofficially Avenger too. Yeah, that was that sweet. Was pretty great. Those movies. I, they just must. It boggles my mind how expensive the salary of those actors is, mm-hmm. and they're all in the movie. This, yeah. is, I think, I think two is their last like contract one, or for the most of them, uh, two or the first three. I can't. Or the first part of three, part one of Infinity War. I don't know, but God, I mean, there's. I don't know if there's enough money in the world to pay all those <laughs> talented people. I, th- I, I think uh, didn't Evan say that he thought. Avengers 2 might be his last film for a while. And then he just announced he's going to be in like seven more, you know, Cap 3 and Avengers 3 and, and all this. So the money's got to be so good that it seduced him away from like doing indie directing jobs. I mean, at some point your your accountant and agent's got to be like, so you don't want $70 million? I think I think Tony Stark or Robert Downey Jr. is supposed to be getting like $40 million from Captain America 3. Just from being in that for his movie. walk-on role. <laughs> well, I had read his role in the movie wasn't supposed to be that large, and then they worked it into a bigger storyline, and then they originally balked at it because he'd be too expensive, and then they talked them into it. But I had also read—I don't know how true any of it is—but they the two-part Avengers movie, which would be three and four, I think that. A lot of the the players from the first Avengers movie aren't going to be in that. This is where they start to bring in their B players into the yeah, Avengers the rumor, movies. Yeah, the roster is going to change significantly. Yeah, whether that's uh, you know a storyline reason, which is entirely possible, but it's also because they're not going to be able to afford to pay Tony Stark, uh, Evans, Thor, Black Widow, and all of them to be in another movie because I think their contracts are coming up. 
Yeah, and but but the, I guess probably the way if they maybe made it work is, you know, kind of like the Hobbit or Lord of the Rings. They film it all at once anyway, so maybe that's like their schedule's well, not that, impacted. That was another thing I had read where they wouldn't legally be able to film two movies at once because oh. I think they're only contractually obligated for like one Avengers three, oh. so they can't film three and four without a new contract. You know, it could all be junk anyway, but who knows? Yeah. I mean, it makes kind of sense. I mean, there was also that rumor that I've heard ages ago that the end of two is where they send Hulk into space. So they they do that oh, World War Hulk, Hulk thing, yeah. Where like, and it, it, that great. in the scenes in the trailer, spoilers, obviously. Hopefully, you're not still listening, but <laughs> you know he looks weird in that movie. Banner, like he's sickly, so it leads credence to the fact that he might just lose control, and they have no other choice but to shoot him into space at the end of that movie. And you know Ruffalo in a you want to put Ruffalo in a another planet as Hulk. You know I was just saying this the other day. He just picture Ruffalo, this nerdy scientist walking around with, at another planet. There's aliens, and he's like you know wimpily touching the ends of their spears. He doesn't know where he is, and he's just like <laughs> you know a fish out of water. Like who would want to see that movie? I mean that could be that could stand to be the funniest film since the first Iron Man. Which I think is one of the most brilliant action comedies of our generation. Oh my! I word. think you laugh more than you cry in that film. I can't make just broad statements like that. <laughs> I just bring the internet to its needs. <laughs> they don't, they don't, they were like action comedy. What is he talking about, Jonesy? You only speak in hyperbole, and that's fine. <laughs> I'm a riddle wrapped in an enigma. <laughs> <laughs>